comes from, there it goes, <laughs> uh, really comes from God's power. It's not our power. It's God's power. I was going to have Alex uh, demonstrate for us here um, the, the trains. You remember how the, the old steam engines would roll and the power that came into the, into the engines um, let off some steam. And so, all right, is it all juiced up? So kind of like this. <laughs> Did you say toot, toot. <laughs> So Alex did he do this? The steam. No? Oh, I was like no, I didn't do that. <laughs> no, you're not in trouble. <laughs> no, no, you're no, not no, in no. Oh man. <laughs> No, no Steve, question. that wasn't me, that was you, brother, sorry. <laughs> Don't blame it on the youth pastor, okay? <laughs> so, did I do it? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I didn't do it. Yeah, I pressed the button, but I didn't do it. The, the machine did it. The power did it. You know, it was, it, God is the one that works through you and through me. And so, when we are called to be bold in our faith... It's not something we are going to do. It's something that God is going to do in us and through us. One of the demonstrations of this comes from uh, electrical power. If we can see that first slide up there, Zach. Um, what is power? This is uh, Ohm's law. Um, one of the definitions here is power equals uh, volt voltage divided by resistance. So the more voltage you have, the more power you have, right? But the more resistance you have, the less power you have. Now think about that. Um, be, I was showing this to Tom Karsten before worship, um, and he's an engineer, so he loved this. And he could preach a sermon on this because he started preaching to me this morning. And you know what he told me? He says, you know, uh, that uh, volt, the V, could also be interpreted as potential, potential energy. And I, I thought, wow, that is, that, that preaches, brother. Um, you know, that's, that's our potential. You have potential, church. Did you know that? Yes. Say, I have potential. I have potential. And we also have resistance. And sometimes resistance comes just because we're a little bit uncomfortable with some of the spiritual stuff that Jesus tends to do. And so we'd rather not get into that. But what Jesus is telling us is don't worry about it because that's his stuff. That's what he's going to do. So it's not our power, it's not your power, it's not my power. And yet we still resist. So let's go back to the beginning of the story, because the lame man is in front of the temple. Now he's not in the temple because he is considered sinful and unclean. And so he cannot become clean, and he cannot become without sin, so he's an outcast. So he is begging for the the really cool people that get to go to worship like us, right? 
So he's sitting out in front because he couldn't come in, and he's, he's asking for alms. And so when, when he's asking for alms, it's because he has been crippled from birth. And literally, it says that he has been like this from his mother's womb. So his, his feet and his ankles were misformed um, congenitally. And so he has never known a day of normalcy. Can you think about that a minute? He has never known a day where he can walk, where he could have a job, where he could go to worship, where he could do anything that we take for granted. He, he sits out, lays out in front of the temple, hoping that some people will give him alms. Each day, his friends bring him to the temple, and he asks and he begs for alms each day. Now, alms would be like a, a form of financial help. So like if you're giving alms, you're giving somebody some financial help. Kind of like when you drive under the bridges here, uh, under the interstate, and you see the, the beggars out there, um, and they're walking, you know, they usually do a stroll. They'll walk up and down when the cars are coming to a stop with their little sign that they need some help that, uh, you know, that they're former military or that they've lost a job and that they're trying to feed their family and they'll just kind of walk up and back. So I kind of consider that as a one ask. So they're asking you to donate to them one time. Not the beggar in front of the temple. What, what the translation tells us is that it was a repeated ask. So he is continually asking Peter and John, alms please, alms, give, give me some alms. Can you have, do you have any help? Please help me. What do you have? Can you, can you give me some money? He is completely reliant upon the help that he receives from the worshipers. Now, I can't imagine being reliant upon people's generosity. But that is what happened to this man. Sometimes God calls us into situations that we can be a little bit uncomfortable with. Ever had that experience? Sometimes we're called by God to do things when we have our own agendas. Has that ever happened? That happened to me Friday, yeah, Friday afternoon. I, I was the chef this week, so I was cooking, and then I was cleaning. And uh, next year, Paul, I'm going to get you in there helping me, um, one of our other resident chefs in the congregation. And, and so um, I, was, I was all alone Friday afternoon cleaning all the dishes, wiping down all the counters, cleaning out the refrigerator, going through all of the leftovers, ditching some of them because they were chicken and three days old. And others, I was able to, to put into baggies and to hand them off to people and say, hey, take some food home with you. And then, then our youth pastor kept shouting at me, hey, Steve, there's, there's a man in the parking lot and he needs some help. Go help him. I'm sitting there thinking, well, I've already got my list of things to do. 
I don't have time to go help him. You're welcome. <laughs> and, and so I, I listened to the voice in my head, and I'm trying to keep focused on my list, and before long, the voice in my head tells me, okay, get your butt out there and go see what this guy needs. And so I walked out there, and, you know, thinking that I don't know what I can do to help him because, you know, I grew up in a family. You see, my dad grew up on a farm, and uh, when, when he was a kid, um, every piece of machinery that broke down, he fixed. I mean, he and his brothers fixed it. My grandfather taught them how to fix things, and they repaired everything. When it was time for oil changes, they did the oil changes. So my dad became an eye doctor, and the first thing he did when he got his practice and began to make some money was that he never took care of his car again. He always took it down to the standard station and had the mechanics take care of it. So guess how much I learned about taking care of a car? Zippo. <laughs> so I'm not in my wheel well here. I mean, I'm really uncomfortable because this guy's going to ask me for some thing that I don't know what, what to do about it. And, and so I finally get out there, and I ask him, I said, you look like you need some help. Can we help you? And I'm thinking, I don't have jumper cables. He's going to ask for jumper cables. And, and then all of a sudden, he says, yeah, I thought I fixed my truck. I left home. I was going to go on a long drive and um, didn't get very far, and it, it completely petered out on me here. I think I've got a problem with my radiator something with, there's a leak in the radiator. So he's got the engine open, he's got the radiator cap off. And I said, can I get you some water? He goes, sure. So he comes in with me, we pour a pitcher of water, he dumps it into the radiator, and uh, then he brings it back in. And, and he's so grateful, and he's thankful. And um, he said, you know, you guys saved me, because I didn't... I didn't have to spend money on calling a tow truck. I was, gonna, I was thinking I'm going to have to call a tow truck. And it's all because I didn't want to help. Because I was too busy doing my stuff. And so we, we church, are called to listen to Jesus and to respond to the needs that are being presented to us. Oftentimes, you know, we think, well, I have to pray on it, i got to meditate on it, I'm going to read the scriptures for an hour, and then after the hour of prayer, then God will tell me whether I'm really supposed to help the man in the truck or not. Meanwhile, he'd be gone, right? So, sometimes God calls us to do tasks that we don't want to do. But God wants us to do them. And so that's why we do it. Sometimes God wants us to do more than just give money. Sometimes God wants us to get involved in people's lives. I got one listener out there. <laughs> so, if you're like me and you've tried to avoid helping people in the past by maybe just handing off some money, maybe this message is for you that we need to be listening to God more clearly. Not so much 
in our prayers and devotions because we're doing a good job of listening to God there. But are we listening to God when God places an obstacle in front of us and tells us to deal with it? Sometimes God is calling us to give more, to give something more costly than money. Sometimes God is calling us to give acts of compassion, acts of mercy. The first point here is that Peter and John boldly acted on the mission that God had given them. Peter and John were bold and courageous, and they responded to the mission that God gave them. And it was a, a crippled man who was begging in front of the temple. As they're going to the temple to pray, to worship God, to meditate, to do all those worshipful things, they see and they hear a man that is begging for alms. The people begging are trying to get our attention. And are we listening? The man was persistent. He wasn't going to stop begging. And Peter and John were disciples. They had no money. <laughs> you know, um, when you think about it, they didn't have any money with them. Because in Acts chapter 2, just before this, it tells us, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place shared every, and shared everything they had. They combined all of their resources. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. So it was a community decision to give the money out to those who were in need. I often wonder if the man was frustrated when he found out they didn't have any gold or silver, that he wasn't going to get any alms from them. In my mind, I think he was probably a bit disappointed because when you live a way of life, you kind of get used to it, right? And you're expecting the same stuff. Some people are going, not everybody's going to give, but some people are going to give, and it's going to be enough for me to survive this day. So I wonder if he was disappointed when these two Christ followers, Peter and John, came by and they said that they had no money. Have you ever been expecting something? Maybe, maybe not money. Maybe you've been expecting a visit from someone or a promotion. Or maybe you've been expecting a, a, a special gift or a, a special recognition or party. Maybe, maybe you've been waiting for a happy family <laughs> and there's always some disappointment I mean this can make us sad this can make us disillusioned they had no silver or gold but but they did give the man what they had and what did they have they had a healing that came in Jesus' name. The second point, Peter and John acted with compassion. 
to meet the man's spiritual and physical needs. Note that he gets both needs met. His physical need and his spiritual need. Not only is he healed, not only can he dance like Miss Lindsay, not only can he leap and praise God, but he is forgiven. And he has faith. He has faith in the healer, Jesus. So this second point is that Peter and John acted with compassion to meet the man's spiritual and physical needs. I mean, Peter, I, I kind of imagine him almost grabbing the man's face and telling him, look at me, look at me. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Take a look at that slide. Peter said, I don't have any silver, I don't have any gold for you, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And the man, I don't know if he's holding out for alms, but Peter grabs his hand and he pulls him up and the man begins to walk. This is a painting by Raphael, um, the famous artist, and uh, it's, it's a depiction of this particular Bible story from Acts chapter 3. And uh, what, what we see here is Peter and John reaching down, uh, Peter reaching down and helping the man to get up, to stand up. And the man stands up and his feet and his ankles miraculously begin to work. He begins walking and then leaping and then praising God. And this is not magic. This isn't magic. Peter and John did not perform any magical act. What this miracle shows us is it points us to the power, there's that word again, the power and the authority of Jesus. All right, let's see. There's the power. <laughs> the power and the authority of Jesus. That's what the miracle points to. And so this man receives this healing. And that's what this point is telling us, is to give people what you have. If you don't have a lot, don't be worried about, I don't have much to give. Just give people what you have. That's our calling. That's our mission, like it was Peter in John's mission, the disciples' mission. Just give people what you have. Do it in Jesus' name. Because it is the power of Jesus that changes lives. It's not me, it's not you, it's not our power, it's Jesus' power. We can get in the way, we can resist it. We can say, nah, I don't want to do it. All that will do is lessen the experience of the power. I've done that too much in my life. I don't want to do that anymore. It's Jesus' power. Share it with them and then explain it. Tell them how Jesus has changed your life. And if Jesus hasn't changed your life, then we've got some work to do. But if Jesus has changed your life, think back to when you were young, when you were a youth. How did God break into your life? Maybe it was as an adult, but for most of us, it was as a child or a youth. 
How did God come into your life? And how did that change your life? The lame man received far more, far more than money. He received far more than silver and gold, and so can you. The lame man receives far more than money, and so can you. Blessing comes to those who turn to Jesus. In the end of our reading here, verses 19 to 21, Peter says this, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. I love that verse 20. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Dear friends, it is time to turn back to God. It is time to return to worshiping our faithful Savior. If you haven't been worshiping regularly, then it's time to turn back. I know there's lots of reasons why we haven't turned back to God. Lots of good reasons, but it's time to come back. And if you're still angry about how your church handled the pandemic, then go talk with them. Don't just sit in the anger. And if you don't have a church home, then consider this one yours and come and join us. And for those of us who have been worshiping, it is time to turn back to God. Yes, us too. Let's not put ourselves on a pedestal, even though I'm on this little high-rise here. <laughs> We're not putting ourselves up. We're on the same level as everyone else. And this is why we need to look, and we need to listen, and we need to act with acts of compassion instead of focusing on our lists and our agendas and our anxieties and our worries. We need to turn back to God. Who are the people that God is putting in your path? I mean, difficult people, friendly people. Who are the people? We are called to act out. I love that. Any youth here? You get to act out today. Yeah. <laughs> Any children here? Yeah, you get to act out. And us adults, we need to learn to act out. We need to act out with some compassion. We need to learn to act out with some mercy, with God's love. Let's start acting out. I mean, we always kind of yell at kids for acting out, but today, we're all supposed to do that. No one is left untouched here. We all need to repent and turn back to God. And as we do that, we will experience times of refreshment for the present, from the presence of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but it's getting awfully hot out there, and I could use some refreshment this afternoon. Could you use some refreshment? If so, say amen. then let's all turn around and turn back to God so that we can begin to experience once again those times of refreshment from Jesus. Let us pray. Great and mighty and majestic God, you have come to us in your son Jesus, and now 
you have given us your Holy Spirit. As we celebrate this Holy Trinity Day, Lord, keep us focused on the power that you have given through us. Help us to remember how majestic your name is, and may we begin to do acts of compassion and mercy in your name. In the name of Jesus, amen.